It's Coast 104.5. Up in Adam in the morning. In the studio and up in Adam in the morning, Chris Lambert. He is from the Your Own Backyard podcast. It's uh, my pleasure to have you in here, Chris. Thanks for being up in Adam, my man. No problem. Thanks for inviting me. So, obviously, life for you is has gone pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah, this week has been absolutely the craziest week of my life. And, and it, is it is it just because you have like networks getting a hold of you, TV? I mean, I know you were on Good Morning America. So first of all, thanks for taking time to come here, be in studio and hang out. It was great to have coffee with you yesterday, get to know you. So I really appreciate your time. But give me like a little bit of a window into like what this week has been like for you ever since the arrest. Yeah, it's been a lot of that. The um, the media does want to get a hold of me and uh, swamp my email and my Instagram DMs and my Facebook messages are all people trying to get me to talk to them. There's been a lot of uh, requests to do like a TV series about this or like to take the podcast, put it on Netflix. That's been since early on. I've had offers for things like that. But when an arrest happens or it's big news, they come out in droves it's just tons of that sort of stuff that is less interesting to me than what's actually going on with the case obviously i want to follow um the arrests the hearings now i've been in attendance uh at the two hearings so far yeah let's let's kind of recapture what happened yesterday this was the arraignment right we got a plea we did yeah they both entered not guilty pleas yeah and what was it like being in there what was all that about what was um, it like? It's interesting because of COVID rules and everything, the way they have to separate everybody. And so you're basically just in a jury box watching a TV screen like everyone at home is, except they're in, you know, their rooms next to you and all that stuff. So yeah. um, they don't allow audio recording, which is a little frustrating because that's my medium. And so I can't use any of what is actually being said in the room. But taking furious handwritten notes, going to my car, typing them up and trying to get them on my Instagram as soon as possible because people are curious and they're trying to stream from home. They're frustrated with the stream. I think they crashed the website. Yeah. There was so much traffic yesterday. And so just trying to get as as accurate of information as quickly as I can to people who aren't able to follow. Is that the way you feel best right now? Because, you know, obviously got the podcast, we ate eight episodes, right? right? And you're probably, I'm sure, you know, going about how episode number nine is going to pan out and when and how you want to kind of execute that. But uh, Instagram, in the meantime, is kind of like your way of connecting with folks that have been so dependent on your coverage of this case. Yeah, it's the quickest way to be able to share with an audience and especially like the stories whenever there's something going on. I try to keep people updated throughout the day. Um, a lot of people are emailing me about episode nine, which is in the works, but it's been in the works since episode eight came out at the end of last year, yeah. I'm always working on the next episode, but I want to keep working on it until there's no new info to share at that moment and then put it out as a complete record. Um, if I put out an episode now and then tomorrow in Ruben Flores's bail hearing, there's some news, yeah. then I've got to start scrambling to get the next episode ready. So I want to sit on this. I want to watch what's going to happen. And I also want to be responsible and not release information that could get in the way of those things right now. It's interesting. You're, you know, I listen with a, an interesting ear because, you know, I uh, host a show, I, you know, I understand formatting, and then you're a musician, and uh, the way you the way you storytell is fascinating, and it's, it's very captivating from, um, first of all, your delivery is fantastic, uh, I, re I happen to really like your voice, and I think it's very, it's, it's, it's friendly, it's welcoming, it's endearing, but also, like, when, when music comes up, and the, was your, was your musicianship and your uh, your love for music, did that help you in telling 
a story in the way you did? I think so. Um, it also, it, it didn't come to me as easily as I expected it would. Um, I thought, well, I make music, I'll just make the music for this. When I tell this story, I can already hear the music to it in my head. Like the score, per yeah. se? Yeah, but then I sat down to do it, and what I realized is with telling this story, the tone is so specific. It's not just a... A lot of true crime podcasts will use like horror music because yeah. it's scary. Yeah. And this story isn't scary to me. There are parts that are, but a lot of this, there's this sense of like longing and trying to find your daughter. And I wanted to capture that. And it's not easy to just sit down at a piano and come up with those notes. I probably sat on the scripts I was writing for months before the music started to come to me. Yeah. And then when it did, then started scoring that way. And then I started recording the full scripts of the episodes and playing them back and trying to make music along to them. Yeah. So that was an interesting part of it was just, will the music even arrive? And when it did, it was this very specific tone. Is it kind of like, you know, I think of like a musician who has a number one hit song and then it's like okay when they go back into the studio they there's this pressure that weighs on them to uh have it perform as well maybe you know, you know i interview winemakers too and you make, you make a 100 point wine it's like what's that next vintage you gotta kind of equal do you feel a pressure that maybe is even self-imposed on what episode nine and it's how grand it needs to be and based on the news and based on your popularity do you feel that pressure on yourself Yes, but I felt the pressure before I even put out the first episode. It was like, if I'm going to put this out, it better be really good. It better be something that people are willing to share and talk about. It can't just be a podcast. It's got to be great. Yeah. And so episode one was hard for me. And once it did air, the response that it got sort of fueled me to work on the next episodes as they came out. Once the first six wrapped, because that was a complete series in my mind, the sheriff's department reached out and said, we'll sit down for an interview with you. And then I thought, wow, now I've got to start working on episode seven and I've got all this new info I've collected. Let's see how this fits in for this story. And there was an enormous amount of pressure for that episode for me because there had been a break mm -hmm. and then episode eight even more so because it was sure. like a nine month break and I'd had so long to work on it. And so I stayed up all night. I think I stayed up um, until 7 a.m. until I finally clicked the publish button sure. and then collapsed because really? I had been up all night putting finishing touches on the score and the sound effects and everything. But you're a perfectionist, huh? Very much so. Yeah, almost to a, like where your your partner, your girlfriend's like, you gotta relax, Chris. You gotta go eat, go do, you know? Like, yeah, uh, to, yeah. To everyone's always telling me to take care of myself, yeah. <laughs> especially the smart family. Honestly, the yeah. smart family is always concerned with whether or not I'm taking care of myself. Isn't that sweet? Because they know I work myself pretty hard yeah uh, i want to come back i want to ask you about your relationship with the sheriff's department i want to ask you um just kind of spitball some theories to you tell you some theories i got going on um, i definitely want to hit some questions but we'll lead with uh, your relationship with the sheriff's department coming up next we got chris lambert from the your own backyard podcast he's up and at him in the morning you're listening to up and adam in the morning post 104.5 up and adam in the morning my name is adam Montiel. his is chris lambert he is the creator and host of the Your Own Backyard podcast. And uh, I've just been enjoying my conversations with him off the air. And we were talking about music. And I was like, oh, I'm feeling, I'm still feeling that Matchbox 20 song. And we were talking about you were kind of starting into to making these mixtapes. And we started, you know, going nostalgic on some songs from the 90s. And you mentioned that Kristen actually had a mixtape that you put a Spotify playlist together. Yeah. So her, uh, 
friend Margarita, who was in the dorm room next to her, they spent the day that Kristen disappeared together before they went off to look for a party. And she spent a lot of her time recording songs from the radio onto a cassette tape, and then she left it in Margarita's room. So I reached out to Margarita and I said, you don't still have that cassette somewhere, do you? And she said, I think it's in my parents' garage. She went out there and sifted through and dug up this tape. It says Kristen's mixtape on it. And she listened to it and gave me a list of every song that was on that tape. So I put it out on a Spotify playlist. Oh, I gotta go get it. Hear the kind of music that Kristen was interested in, even up to the day she disappeared. You know, and I want to get into this more a little bit later, but there seems to be... Do you feel like a, a tight, obviously you're connected to the family, obviously you're connected to the case, but do you feel like a, a connection, an implicit connection with the girl, Kristen Smart? Do you feel that? Yes, and and it, it sort of comes in waves and it has to because I'm so focused on the little details of the investigation and, and the Flores family and all of that. And so sometimes it just hits me out of the blue. Yeah. Oh, Kristen, like, don't forget Kristen. That's the big reminder always. And I didn't have any connection to her until I sat down with her parents. They introduced me to friends of hers and stuff. And that's why in the first episode, I described the process of going from a face on a billboard that I grew up seeing to a real human being, seeing her childhood photos and getting to know the places she used to drive and the songs that she loved. And I don't, and don't take this the wrong way. And I don't know how like spiritual or religious you are. Do you feel that Kristen speaks to you, um, speaks through you. You have that connection like that. Like maybe she'll be sending you messages of some sort through your work. Not specifically. I I don't, uh, I I don't know how to quantify something like that. I I get a lot of emails from people that are really nice saying, uh, Kristen is using you for this or Kristen is sitting on your shoulder. Um, and that's a really kind gesture, but I don't know that I feel that, but I do, there's this big, uh, I was describing to you, in between the northbound and southbound 101 when you're passing Pismo, there's this big rock that juts out of the median. Kind of like where the old Marie Callender's was. Yeah, it's right totally in front there. It's hard about. to miss. Yeah. It's, it's right on your side there, and it's jagged and huge. And for whatever reason, because I was driving up here a lot um, when I was researching this, I started associating that rock with Kristen. And I told her mom at one point, whenever I see that rock, for some reason, I, I think of Kristen and I feel very strongly about it. And um, I, I had reached out to a local artist and commissioned her to do a drawing of this rock. And she had reached out to the Chamber of Commerce to find out facts about that that geological feature. And it doesn't have a name. And so we got to name it. And so we named that rock Critter Point, which was Kristen's childhood nickname. No way. Critter. And so I presented Denise with the artwork. And I have a copy of the artwork on my wall at home. And every time I drive by that point now, it's become tradition to flag, to wave like a little aloha sign. The shaka thing, yeah. And Every time I do that in that moment, that's when I feel the most connected to Kristen. It's always the reminder that, yes, you just attended a court hearing. Yes, you just watched them dig up a yard. But Kristen, like, don't forget Kristen. That is really, I think everybody, I, I'm certainly going to think of that every time I pass Critter Point now. Wow. Uh, Chris Lambert is up and at him in the morning. Let's talk about your relationship with the Sheriff's Department. Because I've had people uh, email me and talk to me. Oh, you know, You know he solved that case. You know the... Uh, sheriff's department they wouldn't have done anything now i've been talking to ian since even before he became sheriff in 2011 i know i mean shoot the he was digging up the cal poly p with earth movers in 2016 that's you know almost three years before you launched um, in september of 19 so obviously the, the sheriff's department has been doing some stuff but you cannot deny no one can deny 
what you have brought to the table here. Um, what is your relationship with the sheriff's department? What did you feel when um, Ian Parkinson mentioned you in that presser? And do you think that this we would be here without you? My, my relationship to them uh, at first was, I think, a little tense because I didn't take it easy on them in the first several episodes. I, I mean, I laid it out. There were so many missteps, so many things that should not have been done the way that they were. And, and going so, back to like previous administrations yeah, of sheriffs, yeah, of right? And so there have been three separate sheriff's administrations since Kristen disappeared. And I didn't know much about Ian Parkinson except for that he had dug up the Cal Poly P. And I knew when I started researching, it had been like two and a half years of silence since that. And I thought, what happened here? Like they were, it was big and then it was quiet and quiet for way too long. That's part of the impetus for wanting to tell this story is why is it so quiet again? Why aren't we all looking for her? Grab a shovel and let's all go look. So that was part of it. I wouldn't have done this if it hadn't been quiet for so long. But when I got to know the detectives, the ones who have been working on this case day in and day out, um, specifically Commander Nate Paul and Detective Clint Cole, who sat down for an interview with me, I started to realize these people really, really want to solve this case. They are trying so hard, and they don't make any excuses for the prior administration's mistakes. They spelled it out right at the beginning. Sometimes you're following along, you're reading these supplemental reports of what the previous administrations did, and you just want to reach through and like strangle them. Like, yeah, ring someone to think. Sure, right. They're just as frustrated. They're more so frustrated if, because sure. the public is judging them on this. And so I have to cut a lot of slack um, for them because I know that what they do is high pressure. And now this wave of credit that I'm getting, it must be difficult for them. Because, yes, I played a part in this. I absolutely would not deny that some of the things I brought them led directly to the arrests and the search warrants. That's a fact. But if they hadn't acted on those things and if they hadn't had a ton of other info that supported those pieces, I, I brought them like a brick in a wall. And it helped to complete the wall, but the wall was already in progress. And so I don't, I, I, I don't want to take the credit for solving the case. It's just an assist, essentially. Yeah. I, what was it like when you heard Ian Parkinson mention your name in the uh, in the presser? It was unexpected for me because really? I thought a lot of what I was doing was going to go uncredited because I I'm not qualified and I'm just this citizen, and. I I feel for Ian Parkinson that that to credit a citizen who doesn't have any training in law enforcement with any part of this is a vulnerable thing for a sheriff to have to do. And I didn't think he would use my name for that reason. But he said my name multiple times throughout. And so the media is like, what is this? Like, podcaster helps solve case. And that's the, the headline they're going to go with, which is a little uncomfortable for me. But I understand and I know that the media has to have a story to tell. And that's a catchy one. I feel that was very magnanimous of him to do that. In that moment, to I mean, to to offer that that credit to you. Yeah, he. I didn't expect him to, and yeah. he didn't have to. Um, and there was a part of me that was a little bit um, watching the press conference. I thought, let's see how much uh, of the credit I'm going to end up getting. Even though I know that what I did was, you know, for the right reasons and behind the scenes, I don't expect it will ever be publicly acknowledged, and I'm okay with that. So when he said my name, I kind of, I got chills. And then he said it over and over, and the crowd would, like, turn and look towards me, and I felt myself getting kind of embarrassed. Like, I don't want 
You're a shy all this guy. attention on me. You're I'm a shy very dude. shy person. Yeah. Um, what did you bring them? What what did you what from your podcast did you bring them that led to this? That's a great way to word it because a lot of people have been asking who is it in the podcast that was an important witness? And the answer is the important witnesses that I brought them that helped them put this case together were not in the podcast for that reason. Because when they reached out to me and told their story, I thought I can either put this in the podcast and just let it be an anecdote or I can pass this on to the sheriff's department. And if it's serious, it might help to put the pieces together. And in that case, I can't release the story because it could jeopardize their investigation. So you're telling me, correct me if I'm wrong, are you saying that the, the most instrumental pieces of this puzzle that you have helped put together, we don't even know of them yet? That's correct. Wow. That's remarkable. Yeah, and I think it's a good... Uh, it's it's part of the reason why we do have a good relationship. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people in my position would have wanted to put out that story rather than. You're, you're literally department. sacrificing the development and the uh, the, the fans and then the whole, and the podcast for the Smart Family for the benefit of finding Kristen. Right. And it goes towards what I've been saying from the beginning. Yeah. That I didn't start this podcast for any other reason except to find Kristen. We're going to come back. We're going to hang out with uh, Chris Lambert, the Your Own Backyard Podcast. We've got some local headlines. I want to talk to, I, I want to ask Chris, just give me your version of what happened that night. Um, I want to talk to you about some other crime podcasts, why yours is different, why you never monetized it. Um, and then and what do you think was the, 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 the kind of straw that broke the camel's back where, where Paul was like, my, like my card's pulled. Like, I want to ask you all this and more. Also, we're going to get to your questions. If you want to call in, ask a question, you can. 783-1045. I got a ton online. I'm going to forward to Chris. Chris Lambert's up and at him in the morning. It's Coast 104.5, up and at him in the morning. Adam Montiel. We got Chris Lambert. He is from the Your Own Backyard podcast. So many questions. I'm just going to kind of spit a, a grip of questions your way uh first of all let's talk about what you feel as deep a dive as you have gotten into this what do you think happened that night it's getting to the point where it's hard to go through that because a lot of the things that i have learned could potentially jeopardize moving uh, forward oh yeah you can think of that um yeah, because I, you do know a little bit more than the rest yeah, of us i believe the district attorney made it pretty clear that they believe that uh Kristen died during uh an intent to rape her. I think that Paul Flores sort of had his sights on her that night, and when he was left alone with her, attempted to take advantage of her. I think she lost her life in the process, and I don't know how. Um, that's going to be interesting to discover if they're able to put those pieces together. And I think that he called his father and asked him to help him dispose of her body, and I think he did. And beyond that point, I, I don't want to speculate too much because I, I do know a little more than the public knows, and I don't want to get into that. Yeah, um, you know what's interesting? I was talking to we're going to talk to him tomorrow, Elon Funky Bilu, who is a um, uh, defense attorney locally. And one of the things we were talking about was he has never heard in his, like, 40-something years of, you know, working defense of a district attorney leveling a, a rape or attempted rape on someone to get murder one without, I mean, 25 years later, like how, but I guess, and, and this is the way, and I want your feedback on this, the way I read the end of count one, it talks about uh, the people hereby give notice to the people's intent to admit evidence of prior sexual acts 
These prior sex acts include the prior incidents described in the investigative reports, audio video provided to defense, and other alleged incidents of abuse. It makes me think of that Uber case a few years ago where maybe there was like videotape, maybe there was unidentified victims. Uh, well, what is your take on, on something like that? Yeah, that's my, my very elementary understanding of, of this, and I've spoken to um, attorneys about this and asked a lot of questions, is that there are evidence codes that provide that in a case like this, because we don't know specifically what happened to Kristen, and without her body, it's hard to prove, um, that you can you, you can use Paul Flores's behavior and his pattern of behavior, his M.O., to sort of fill in the blanks as to what is reasonable to assume probably happened to Kristen, yeah. which is that Paul Flores, before and after Kristen disappeared, has been accused of sexually assaulting women. And since she disappeared, he's continued that behavior. And my understanding, based on the district attorney's press conference, is that they do have evidence of those sexual assaults that will be introduced to establish that Paul Flores has continued this pattern of behavior and that it would be it would be more wild to assume that Kristen died some other way, not including Paul Flores, in knowing that Paul Flores has this behavior around people and that he was left alone with this intoxicated girl that night. It would be more unreasonable to assume a serial killer struck or something else, right? It's Paul Flores does this to women. It's established. Uh, the mom, Susan Flores, she had to know, right? I mean, she had to, right? I believe so, and, and I... Uh, the way I, she talked to Megan Healy, and Megan Healy's doing a great job on this case for KSBY, but, I mean, she sat out there for, like, almost 45 minutes with her, and just, I mean, I'm sure Megan was surprised. that I'm a guy, I got Susan Flores here, like, unedited for 45 minutes. Um, and, and she, is she just pathological? I mean, what, what do you think is, is her deal? Well, she spent 25 years telling the same story, and I imagine that that can take... Uh, that can have an enormous effect on your psyche. I think that when you're trying to, if she did know, let's assume that she did know from the beginning what her son had done and she was trying to protect him from that, at a certain point you have to convince yourself that this is true. And after many, many, many years of that, um, I think that a lot of what she said and hearing her speak at that length was, I think, a move that she's going to come to regret because those words can be used against her and they will be used against her son and her husband because a lot of the things that she said, they don't jive with what she told people in depositions. There are things that where she contradicted herself and most telling and what a lot of people noted is that in that entire span of time, she never once refers to Kristen Smart by name. It's always this girl, this woman, someone's remains. They're looking for someone's remains. It's it's classic dissociation. Yeah. It's somebody who does not want to accept that Kristen Smart was a human being. Because if you do, you're going to feel awful about what happened. And she has spent many years trying not to feel bad about this. You know, like, no good deed goes unpunished. And you could put a video of puppies and rainbows on youtube and there's going to be people who talk smack about it um you have any haters you have any people who are giving you flack for things sure i mean since day one i started reading reddit threads where people were oh, like god. oh my gosh this is the slowest podcast i've ever heard the guy is annoying he inserts himself into the story too much um and it hurt because i had set out intentionally to tell the victim's story it was it was going to be the story of Kristen smart 
And a lot of true crime podcasts, I feel, sort of skip over the victim. And I wanted to take one long episode to tell the story of Kristen Smart's life from birth to disappearance. Yeah, in episode one, you don't even talk about her disappearing until like the very end. Right. And that was very intentional, but some people feel like that's grueling to get through. Because um, they just I, want that gratification. Yeah, yeah. I would, even after reading, and those are essentially all of the bad reviews I've read yeah. have been about episode one. It's too slow. Um I stand by it. I think it was important to take that time to establish because by the time she disappears, you hopefully feel like you know Kristen by that point. She's not just a face on a billboard. She's a real human being. And now let's get into what happened to her. You never wanted to monetize the podcast. I mean, obviously you could, but, uh, you know, it's like you listen to a podcast. It's like, oh, buy a Casper mattress. Get a these ED medications or, you know, manscaping.com or whatever. Um, obviously with 8 million, 8 to 10 million downloads, you are right up there with the most listened to podcast around, but never chose to go that direction. Yeah, that, that was important to me early on, too. And a lot of people, before I even put the podcast out, kept trying to convince me, you should do advertisements. There's nothing wrong ethically with doing advertisements. And I agree to an extent. But in telling a story like this, it felt to me like when I make an album, when I'm making music, to put together a presentation of an hour of music and interrupt it in the middle with a commercial would be so jarring. Mm -hmm. And to me, it is jarring when I listen to a true crime podcast and then they start selling you something in the middle and then they go back to telling the story and I realize I trust the narrator just a little bit less than I did before yeah. because I know for a fact they don't use that product and they're doing this because it's a way to monetize, which I don't fault anybody for. It was, It would have been a wiser business move to monetize this podcast, but... I think it was a better storytelling move to not. Do you, um, you have a donate button, which I'm so glad for people to, to contribute to, because this is work. I mean, this is what you have devoted your life to. Has that been a fruitful, I mean, have people been generous there? Yeah, the donate tab, um, it, it gets rediscovered every time this is in the news again. So this past week when all of the arrests happened and um, I was live streaming, people kept asking, what's your Venmo? And, and the, there is a donate tab on my website. There's also a place to donate to Kristen's scholarship because there is a Kristen Smart scholarship. Mm -hmm. And those are easy ways to donate to either the podcast, which helps me uh, continue to do this because this is my full-time job right now, or the scholarship itself, which helps to uh, helps other women go to college and sort of achieve the things that Kristen was not able to. Any threats, any interactions with the Flores family that were like, huh? Um, every time they see me, they they make gestures at me and stuff. Um, they don't like you. When they, rep they don't like me, of course they don't. Uh, when we put up the new billboard in the village last year, um, it was a, a very emotional experience for all of us, and we were standing in the front yard of Jim Murphy's attorney's building, and Susan Flores and her boyfriend drove by and took photos of us, took videos, and they're like, hey, how are you doing? And it, it was very, it's very odd that they decide to taunt the community the way that they do. They put up signs in their front yard that are sort of cryptic or, or just ways that TikTok. they... TikTok. Yeah, they put up a big clock in their yard that said TikTok after I put out an episode where I ended it that way. And I think they sort of, for a while, leaned into the role of the town villain yeah. and enjoyed that, they, which is yeah. something I've never heard of before, where a whole family is willing to taunt their community because they're protecting their son. And so after the arrests happened, you notice things got really quiet. Oh, yeah. And so... I think they, they started to get confident. The more time that passed, the more confident they must have gotten that, 
we're going to get away with this. And that's a real shame. So you feel, obviously, she was moved, right? She's been moved maybe a few times. When do you think she was most recently moved in this ground-penetrating radar, what they're doing uh, in Arroyo Grande? Do you think there's something of real fruitfulness there? Yeah, I um, only because the records were made public yesterday, the records that were submitted in court were made public, and it spells out pretty clearly that they found biological evidence under the deck of Ruben Flores' home that establishes that a human body was buried there and, in their words, was recently moved. Um, that's one of the reasons why I've been doing what I've doing been doing in the capacity that I've been doing it, and I've stayed in touch with neighbors and such. I... I believe I have important information about specifically when and how she was moved. Really? Yes. But we can't talk about that. Yeah, I'd rather not get into it because it, it's important. And that's that's where my relationship with the detectives is important to maintain. Yeah, so you say that again. So you have, you have information speaking to when and where she may have been moved to. Right. Wow. And that is heavy. Oh, we got Chris Lambert here. He is from the Your Own uh, Backyard podcast. One of the things you said to me yesterday, which really stuck with me, was, and I loved the smarts statement, uh, thanking you, the sheriff's department, and all that. And uh, of course, all of our hearts just go out. And I've had the privilege to interview Denise years and, and years ago. And um, it's something like, and I told this to the sheriff that, like, I feel Kristen kind of feels like all of ours in, in a way. Uh, one of the things that you mentioned that Denise told you. Uh, thank you for, one, keeping uh, Kristen's memory alive and, and, and active, but also uh, she told you um, that you uh, you let her know sh she wasn't crazy. What, 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 what did that mean? Yeah, for 20-something years, Denise Smart at times was alone in this. She felt alone, and she felt like the way that this investigation is going and the things that law enforcement are doing and the way that this family is Am I nuts that this is not how an investigation into a missing person should go? Am I crazy to think this? And there were times that she felt like, uh, it must be me. It has to be me. And so when the podcast started airing and the entire community, not just the community, the world, started saying, this is ridiculous. This is unforgivable the way these things were done. And the sheriff's department said, these are absolutely mistakes that were made. One of, I think, the greatest gifts of the podcast for the Smart Family was, we are not crazy. This is not how this should have gone. This is not the position our family should have been put in. And now the world agrees. Yeah, Denise, if you're crazy, we're all crazy. We are all crazy with you. So uh, we're going to come back. We have Chris Lambert in studio. The Your Own Backyard podcast is Up and Adam in the Morning. Up and Adam in the Morning with Adam Montiel. Coast 104.5, Up and Adam in the Morning. His podcast, Your Own Backyard, uh, made complete international, just groundbreaking. It was seminal to uh, this case evolving. Chris Lambert with the podcast is in studio. Thanks for being Up and Adam in the Morning, Chris. Thanks for hanging out for and just, you know, all the questions and are you having fun? Are you ready to go? Yeah, yeah, no oh, problem. good. Yeah. Happy to do it. <laughs> you're such a shy guy. I don't want to make sure like you're you're having fun. What was that like doing the um the vigil? For someone I mean, that was you in front of like five hundred people. It was also probably a very public thing for you to do. I mean, yeah. obviously your podcast goes to the public, but to be uh the face of, of something has gotta be pretty overwhelming too. Yeah, it's tough. I still get nervous in front of crowds. I spoke at the uh, in front of the Chamber of Commerce last year and gave like a five minute speech. And um, every time I do it, I kind of have to catch my breath a little bit, and yeah. it's it's really difficult. But um, 
but I had some things I wanted to say, and it's an important time. And um, I, for for a number of reasons, I think it's just important for the community to see me as a real human being mm-hmm. and know that I'm one of them. I'm just a guy who lived here. Um, I know that early on, so many people, they felt connected to Kristen's disappearance and wanted to help in some way, and they were hoping that someone national would pick this story up and tell it on a large scale, but the fact that I live in their community and and tried it myself and that it happened to blow up the way that it did is a stroke of luck, and I'm really glad that that it happened that way, but then I think people forget I'm still a guy in this community. I'm just a regular person. Yeah. And um, one thing you said to me yesterday, or I think you said at the vigil too, and I was so struck by it, anyone can do, you're like, anyone can do what I've done. Yeah. Really? I think that's an important message to take away from this is that, like I said, I did this in an upstairs apartment at a dining room table with a single microphone in front of me. Um, I walked around and interviewed people with a single shotgun mic and a big field recorder strapped to my neck. Um, it's something that if you wanted to do, you probably could. Um, it's just the drive, I think, that separates one from the other is that if you have the drive to do it you absolutely can and it it just take your time with it do it for the right reasons and sit with it until you feel like it's good like as good as it can be yeah are people hitting you up with tips all the time now Yes, that's pretty much nonstop are the emails and, and sifting through now, separating from people who just want to interview me for a radio show yeah. like you yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then trying to get to like somebody who's like, I was at the party that night and here's what I saw right? Um, because I do have to read through everyone to make sure I'm not missing anything. And a lot of people email me, here's a suggestion for a case you might want to do after this one, uh, which is something that is so far out off yeah. for me yeah. that um, I just save them in a folder and I will get back to them later. I'm reading all of them. There's a number of names I keep seeing over and over. And really? I'm like, okay, I'm interested and in, yeah. I will follow up. But right now, this is going to take everything I've got to keep up on this one. When you do meet up with someone to see what they've got, interview them, are you like hitting up YouTube, like how to interview like a detective? I mean, because some people, some of these people are coming to you because of the inherent trust they feel. And they may come to you before the sheriff's department, and you pass a lot of these people to the sheriff's department. I mean, all of them, but, you know. Yeah, I took, like, an online course on how to interview people for, like, a radio show um, that was hosted by somebody from This American Life. And I took a lot of notes, and I took a lot of uh, info from that. I hosted a podcast for three years where I would sit down and interview a different artist in my home every week. Mm -hmm. And I learned how to talk to people and make eye contact and follow the train of what they're saying and ask relevant follow-up questions. And then when I spoke to the sheriff's department about, hey, I've got these potential witnesses, they walked me through a few steps of it's important that if people are coming to you because they trust you, that you don't taint their memory, that you don't introduce information to them they didn't already have. And so there's a correct way to do it from the law enforcement side as well as the interview side. To preserve the integrity of these witnesses. And that's very important for me. What about um, anytime you have something like this, a missing person, psychics always squeeze their way in. You've uh, had any experience with them? I've had so many emails from psychics and... um, I was very interested at first because a lot of them were intriguing to me, and I thought, this is an angle that hasn't been explored. And then I would spend whole days researching locations they shared with me and seeing if I could find any connections. And at a certain point, I started to notice the tips that were coming in were so disparate in terms of uh, one person says she's here and another one says she's here, and they can't both be right, um, or that this happened that night, or that this person was involved. And so... 
I have to take those with a grain of salt. And the Smart family had to do the same early on. They That first year, they were on so many daytime talk shows where they would sit them with a psychic who would tell them, Kristen will be home by Christmas. Oh. Or Kristen drowned or something. Where... For a while there, they started to kind of believe some of those. It's like, I wonder if that could be true. And so just for their own sanity, they had to sort of detach from that. And so in the last segment, you said something that I actually had to repeat because it was so like it was so moving. And that was that you you said you have uh, information to where you to when her body could have been moved and perhaps uh, to where. But we, we could we can't get deeper than that. And then I think I even asked you when we were playing a song, and I can't remember my exact question, but um, I kind of wanted to get back into that a little bit in just the ways you can. So I guess what I'm trying to ask is, do you feel, because of that information that we can't get into, that you are confident that she will be found? I don't know if I would define it as confidence. Yeah. Um, I, I like that the smart family tends to use the phrase cautiously optimistic. Um, I am cautious, but I am optimistic that she will be found. I do believe she will be found. Yeah. Um, what's with the, they lawyered up pretty hard. Paul lawyered up pretty hard. This guy Sanger, he's he represented MJ through many of his issues and got him off. I mean, what, does, does this make, and I'm not asking you to speak for the smart family, but does this concern you? Could this cause concern for the smart family? I mean, we don't have remains yet and, um, when someone lawyers up that hard, all of a sudden, you're like, all of a sudden, Paul's, I mean, every time they go to his house, he's just schlubby looking in like his sweats, and now he's in like this, you know, $1,900 suit. What's, what's the thoughts with how they lawyered up? I think it's certainly a defense strategy to try to make him look like an upstanding citizen. He got a haircut the other day. Yeah, and we hear some of that in, in court yesterday when they, they sort of described Ruben as an upstanding member of his community. Um, and they listed the sort of social clubs he's a part of and all that. And and the fact of the matter is that people who know this family in person, even people that live nearby them, um, they're not big fans. They're, they're, um, the community is always keeping an eye on these people because of the way that they behave and because of the way, specifically the way that they treated the Smart family was a red flag for a lot of people who may have been on their side to begin with. And then when you see the way that they speak about this family who lost their daughter and believes that their son is responsible, I think they lost a lot of support that way. It was their own doing that they responded the way that they did. And so, yeah, I think the defense's strategy is going to be to try to paint these people as important members of their community who have never had any prior problems. And um, that's that's how defense attorneys work. That's their job. Right. Um, I got some questions from listeners here. Allison says, given the court reports posted today what does chris think they found in the last two evidentiary search warrants at ruben's home it seems the charges are uh, very specific and based upon their findings um it's it spells it out in those reports they're on my instagram uh, because they're public record and you can go ahead and read those i don't want to get any more into specifics about those because there are things that I know that are not public yet, and I don't want to jeopardize the way that I know those things. Um, let's see. Let's do. Let's do a few more questions, and we'll come back and we'll do some more. Um, as let's see here, have you been in contact with Kristen's parents lately? How are they holding up? Yes, um, I stay in contact with them always, and I mean, you're part of the family now. I'm sure. Like it's you guys are just tight. 
In a way, yeah, yeah I think honorary in some way. Um, and and they have a lot of concern for me. They want me to take care of myself and make sure that I'm uh, staying healthy and everything and not overworking myself. But, yeah. Um, you can probably imagine how the family feels this week. It's <sighs> 25 years of chasing this sort of resolution and then getting this, but still the question mark of where's Kristen at and will they cop to it? Will they lead authorities to her body are they going to fight this and never admit to it and you know, they've worried for a long time they're getting up there in age and they don't want to leave their other kids with this burden oh, of sure. where's your sister at they want this taken care of in their lifetime and so this is a win that i mean the arrest themselves and the fact that the public now knows they have been charged with this that's one big step and it feels uh vindicating or validating and they're moving way. forward without the remains yet right we're still not stopping until we find them but we are moving forward with this prosecution with or without it right so that's with, a tough, with that without her remains tough right. position for parents to be in though uh was there a golf cart and janitor cart missing from the dorm that same night listener question yeah, I chased those down pretty hard. There was a pizza cart that was stolen from Backstage Pizza, which was the on-campus pizza place. Um, I found the person who took that golf cart. Um, it was a joyride. It was somebody who took it. They rode it around. They got beers. They dropped it off in front of a friend's house. Somebody moved it because they didn't want it in their house. And um, campus police collected it. I don't think it's connected in any way. Uh, the janitor cart, not so sure about anymore. Um, there was a garbage can on that janitor cart and cleaning supplies. It did disappear for a segment of one of those nights. But the janitor's memory is a little iffy about when exactly that happened. I don't know if it's connected or not. Is there any possibility, there's another question uh, from Monique, is there any possibility that Paul Flores had nothing to do with Kristen's disappearance? Absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, how long do you think this trial will last? Is there a time frame for when uh, we get to hear if they're guilty or not? That's somewhere that I'm completely unqualified to speculate on. I know nothing about trials or I, I know that they take a long time, yeah. uh, a lot longer than you expect. Especially if they're high profile. Yeah, but there's also uh, their right to a speedy trial. And um, with the way that COVID is uh, making court cases now, um, a lot of it might be done over Zoom and getting over those obstacles. I don't know whether that will extend it or speed it up, really. And I, I have no idea. Hunter asks, ask him to speculate more on the fake detective that came to grab the earring. <laughs> um I am a thousand percent certain that the detective who collected the earring is not a fake. He worked for the sheriff's department. I have his name. I know exactly who he was. I have his report. Um, the earring disappearing, I genuinely think was a mistake. I think that they didn't treat it as seriously as they should. That's as far as I'll go is to say they should have treated it more seriously and should have kept an eye on it. But it was not intentionally lost, and the detective was not somebody posing as a detective for the Flores family. It was a real sheriff's detective. What was the most surprising moment Ashley wants to know that you maybe have stumbled upon during this reeve and you were like, oh, wow, wow? Th that's happened so much, and, um, and each time that it happens, it, and then time passes, I sort of forget until I go back. Sometimes I read through my notes and I go, oh, wow, I forgot about this part. Forgot about following up with this person. That could potentially help me fill in this thing over here. It's important for me to revisit those sometimes. Um, gosh, there have been several witnesses who have come forward with important information that I thought, whoa, this is, this is pretty big. And some of them turned out to be nothing, which is 
par for the course, but some of them got passed on to the sheriff's department and helped to fill in some of those blanks. When did you kind of feel with the podcast, this is kind of my question, when did you feel like the podcast is more than just hitting hard and moving people as a podcast, but like, whoa, I'm actually valuable to this case. Like what we're doing here is, is, is really valuable to this case. Uh, yeah, it was probably around the time that the sixth episode aired. Like I said, I thought episodes one through six were a complete series, and that was the end of it for a little while. And then as soon as episode six dropped, there was a lot of movement, and the sheriff's department reached out and said, you can interview our detectives. And there were things that were being emailed to me about, um, I mentioned in episode seven, the truck that was recovered. And I had made a big deal about those trucks disappearing and not being recovered. And all of a sudden, this truck was recovered, but they were coming to me. That I mean, they didn't have to share that info with me, but the people that were emailing me were like, hey, you might want to be in this place at this time to see this. And so people are keeping me in the loop. And that's why a number of people ask, how do you know where to be and when? Because there's so many eyes in the community that are paying attention. And they reach out to me and they let me know things. And so I, I think it was around that point when I thought, well, I know some of the things that are happening right now in this case. And obviously, I'm not going to jeopardize things. Um, you hear the moment in Episode 7 where I ran that by the detective and I said, what if I had info that a truck was recently uncovered? And I thought, if he shuts me down or if he says I refuse to let you release that info, I won't do it. But his his response was very telling about – I don't think they, they, they knew how much was being – given to me until moments like that. And that, that has happened, correct me if I'm wrong, where you have had things given to you, you've taken to the sheriff and they've said, don't do anything with this yet. Sure. If there's a witness or a piece of evidence that they think is important and they say, please don't put this in your podcast, I absolutely don't put it in. When was the most recent thing you took to the sheriff's and are you still bringing things to the sheriff's department? Um, I think it was about a month ago. And yes, I am still currently because now that now that Paul Flores is in custody there are people who were not willing to come forward before because they were afraid for they their feel safe now who suddenly feel safe but still want to use me as a buffer they're not they're not comfortable going directly to law enforcement yet but they're comfortable with me and so that's my job still is to filter that to help make them comfortable and to encourage them to speak with detectives. So I'm still doing that. We're going to continue with Chris uh, Lambert from the Your Own Backyard podcast. We'll wrap up with him coming up next. Get to more of your questions. 783-1045 if you want to call in the studio. Good morning. This is Up and Adam in the Morning. Post 104.5 Up and Adam in the Morning. Chris Lambert from the Your Own Backyard podcast in studio. And, you know, some calls have been coming in. And I imagine, like we talked about, you know, you get calls and people are, are hitting you up with stuff. We just took a call off the air that we can't even really talk about on the air with, with, with some stuff. When, when you're, like, and I'm just listening, just getting chills. When you are fielding calls or, or things like this, uh, are, you, are you measured? I mean, obviously, you're a very calm and measured dude. But um, is it impossible not to get invested, involved, and in the hair on your arm stand up? Um, at this point, I mean, I've, I've had people reach out to me who their information was just absolutely false. And so I have a little bit of a wall up. Um, there have been people who have reached out and said, call me right now because I know where her body is. And early on, I was naive and I would just call immediately. Um, and then they would ramble for a long time before they got around to the point that, oh, I read on a website years ago that she's buried in one of his parents' backyards. 
Okay. It's like and, a and so, guy. Uh, well, thank Thanks, you for Sherlock. your call. And yeah, but <laughs> at a certain point, you can imagine I have to filter those sorts well, of things. Well, sure. Out. And so it's like, tell me up front in your tip. If you're going to reach out, tell me up front how you know the information you know and how I can verify it. Because otherwise, I'm going to be running around all day, every day, trying to verify these tips that could be nothing at all. But some people think their info is nothing at all. And it's actually really important to the big picture. And so I would encourage people reach out if it's me or if it's the sheriff's department, if it's the district attorney, if it's the smart families attorneys, whoever you're comfortable with reaching out to, please do so if you've got a piece of the story. But also, you know, if, if you can't verify your information or you just read about it somewhere else, um, it's probably already come out. Are you currently sitting on any piece of information you've yet to take to the sheriff's department? Yes. Um, because this week people have come forward to me and so I'm collecting those and you can imagine the sheriff's department is very busy right now. And yeah. so it's a matter of time until I am able to, um, coordinate that sort of thing and finding out what they might already have all this info. I'm not saying that anything I have is like a new piece of info they don't already have. It's just news to me. And so everything I want to just double check. Do you know about this? Because if you don't, um, I've got this. And yeah. so, yeah, there's stuff I haven't been able to share with them yet. So at some point in the future, you plan to probably meet with them and, and lay down these things. And then they do they often tell you and give you feedback on helpful, not helpful, great? Or do they just sometimes go, okay, thank you? Yeah, and, they're pretty stone-faced. That's yeah. their job is to not give me info. And so they, they take my information, they thank me. And the way that I know if it's serious or not is if they reach back out and say, what was that about again? And they want to know more. Yeah. That's usually when I know that was a good one. Yeah. Um, How many of those good ones have you had? I'd say at this point, there have been probably six or seven that, wow. um, that and again, if you remember earlier in this conversation, none of these things that these good ones, pieces of evidence that you've taken to the sheriffs that have actually panned out and, and something has come up good and, um, fruitful to the investigation. None of these things have been in your podcast, right? It's, it's journalism, and, and I view it as an important part of the the storytelling is an important part of the whole thing, but the investigation itself is primary, and if people are coming to me to share that info, I'm not the investigator. I'm not the guy, but I understand why they view me as a source, and then being able to pass that off is way more important than just putting it in my podcast and putting out a new episode with something juicy and when you go to the sheriff's department is it like you're waiting in a room and it's like nerves and they come in there uh, are they peppering with questions are you like in the bullpen in the coffee room like what's up mart hey what's going on guys you know or is it like this little bit more informal what is that mood like usually i i will just email them if i think i have important info and if it's something they want to meet over i'm willing to do that but typically they're busy and um and like I said, I'm just some guy. I'm yeah. unqualified. But at least they know me now, and they know that they can trust me. Yeah. I think an important That's part be of huge. it was yeah, having info that they know is, I mean, p potentially career-making for me if I were to release or leak certain things. And then I haven't done that because they know that that's not my priority. And so I think building that trust was an important part because they, they're doing the right thing, and they know now that I'm willing to work with that. It also does well by the family. I mean, that's... A great way to assist the family is just being you're, we talked about this earlier too I mean like the ability to monetize this podcast the ability to do so many things of that nature but really just you know foregoing what might be um, titillating information for that 
you know, gratification that this true crime nut needs. But no, the idea here is to let's solve this investigation. Let's bring Kristen home. Yeah. And it will be if if you allow me the time to put together a meaningful episode, you'll like it more than you would if I were to just rush release each time I have new pieces of info, throw together an episode, put it out, throw together an episode, put it out. Then you're going to have a bunch of episodes with little pieces of information here and there. Yeah. And I, I want to make sure that each one is substantial. All right, 783-1045, last chance. We're going to, um, we got that off the air call and then we kind of ran a little bit behind. So I'm going to give you a chance to uh, get in here if you want. Chris Lambert, your own backyard podcast, 783-1045. We'll come back and have uh, our closing segment with Chris. Time for some local headlines. Thanks for being up and at them in the morning on Coast. Coast 104.5. It's Coast 104.5. Thank you for being up and at them in the morning. Chris Lambert, your own backyard podcast, is up and at them, taking some of your calls here, 783-1045. Good morning. Mimi. What up, Mimi? Hey, I'm, I'm calling because I want to know what he's going to do when the case is solved. What then, Chris? When the case is solved, what do you do then? Like, because um. like, his whole podcast has been about Kristen Smart. So will he go find other cases to help solve? I had somebody, like, on, I had somebody online say yesterday, tell him to investigate the fire at the sub. You know, that store oh. in the... <laughs> <laughs> well, That's what you, actually a good story. I know. What do you do next? That would be, I, yeah, yeah. I want to make music next? again. Music music is kind of my big thing, and I will get back to making music again, but I know for a fact that it won't be long before I catch the bug to help solve another case or try to help, and so I'm open to listening to new suggestions for cases that need solving. Oh, I can imagine there's parents and people involved in other cases that are just like, oh, if Chris could put his talents towards our case and we, maybe we could find some hope. I love the question, Mimi. Thanks a lot. Take care. You're welcome. Thank you. Coast, good morning. Oh, hi. I have a question. Go ahead. Um, when the case is no longer active and there is a break, you share the information that he himself um, dug up and shared with the uh, county, uh, the sheriff's office. Yes, yeah, you're a little muffled, but I think her question, Chris, is, all these things that we don't know that you've helped with the sheriff's department, will these ever come to light? I think they'll come to light in a trial if it goes to trial. And if it doesn't, I would I would not release it until the sheriff's department gives me permission to. Yeah. I imagine when everything's been adjudicated, that would be an appropriate time. But who knows? Right. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate your call. All right. Thank you. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. That's a busy mom right there. Um, Kelsey's on the phone. Got a question. Hey, good morning. I had a question for Chris. Go ahead. Hey, Chris. Um, so I, I called the other day. Um, I'm wondering if there's a correlation between the title, Your Own Backyard, and the actual discoveries this week, or was it just like this could happen in your own backyard type of thing? Like, yeah. what made you call it that? Yeah, it's both. It's it's my own backyard because this is the community I grew up in, but also the speculation right. has been that Kristen's body was buried in either Susan Flores or Ruben Flores's backyard for many years. Very cool. Awesome. Well, yeah, you did a great job, and I wish I would have been in town to see the vigil on Saturday because that's, like, right down the street from my house, but you guys did a great job. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thanks a lot for the call. Appreciate it. Good job, Adam. Way to have him on, too. That was great. Thanks, Kelsey. Take care. Take care. Hi, Coast. Hello. Um, I have a question for Chris Lambert. Go ahead. Um, so, in his podcast, it was stated that some of the past ground-penetrating radar used to search 
um, the Flores residence wasn't strong enough. And I'd like to know that in the recent searches in the last month, if they're using stronger ground penetrating radar. Yes, they are. The ground penetrating radar they used in the first search was very weak, but the the machines that they've used even since 2007 have been a lot better, but you can imagine now they're so much better. What they were doing was running the ground penetrating radar over the ground and live feeding it to headquarters. So somebody was watching on a computer screen as they were doing it and could tell them where to go back if they needed a better sample. It's incredible now. Okay, thank you so much. You're what was welcome. your first name? Uh, Krista. Krista, that was a great question. I appreciate you. Thanks. Okay, thank you. All right, we're going to come back and uh, say goodbye to Chris Lambert from the Your Own Backyard podcast and wrap up with him. Uh, this part of the show brought to you by Brad's Overhead Doors. Uh, we thank them for being up and at them in the morning. You know, a new garage door can really improve the value of your home. You could uh, check out exactly what one will look like right in their showroom. Brad's Overhead Doors, serving you for 35 years. This is Up and Adam in the Morning. Coast 104.5, Up and Adam in the Morning. Wrapping up our time with Chris Lambert, the Your Own Backyard Podcast. It has been fantastic to have you. My phone has been blowing up like all morning. I don't know about yours, but you seem like you've been on your phone too. But Yeah, I'm trying to ignore it as much as I yeah. can. <laughs> <laughs> You're certainly not offending me. I get it. And there's, I mean, like, what is, I mean, are you getting like literally tips throughout the, your appearance on the show? Um, Not tips, no. Um, It's been mostly questions. But yeah, questions yeah, and stuff. Yeah, but nonstop. Do a lot of people have your number? Is it like, oh man, I, too many people got this number? Not my number. They're usually Instagram uh, or, or Facebook or emails. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a girlfriend. Yeah. How long have you been dating? Uh, it's going to be 11 years next month. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. When you have dove so deep into something like this, it's more than a full-time job. I mean, this has almost become like, I mean, like I was telling you yesterday at coffee, like 20, 30, 40 years from now, this is still going to be a benchmark in your life. Yeah, I'm certain that pretty much anything I do for the rest of my life will include this as a, a footnote. The headline will be... Um, podcaster who uh told this story is now putting out an album i'm aware of that and um what is what has it been like for your girlfriend to be so deep into this i mean because i imagine if you're this deep into it she's this deep into it yeah she can't get away from it and she's been a trooper through it um it's overwhelming as you can imagine for my family and um she has to hear it every day and so she's been there when i'm up at three or four in the morning because i need to look at this google earth aerial view of this location and and she's seen me get frustrated and she's seen me get excited and I'm able to vent to her sometimes. I'm able to tell her how frustrating something is or how really exciting it is before I calm myself down and present it yeah. uh, professionally. Yeah, what does she offer you? What? How is she that counterweight to you in a way? Through things like that, through things of just being being there able to vent? Or is she also telling you like, Chris, go go eat something. You've been doing this. Get some sleep, you know, or... Yeah, she's a voice of reason. Yeah. She, she sort of can see through some of the stuff that for me feels like it's piling on or feels overwhelming to me. She can sort of see to the other side a little better than I can. And all, I, I run things by her for her advice too. Do you think that this is too much? I played her early interviews and I'm like, how much of this do I cut out? And she's like, almost all of it, like trim it down a lot. And she was good at helping me edit and stuff like that. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. um, we talked about, I mean, we're going to put this whole entire conversation commercial free up at coast1045.com you'll be able to, also it'll be on your podcast app if you subscribe to the up and adam in the morning podcast you'll be able to listen to our conversation we talked about episode nine we talked about the relationship with 
uh, the sheriff's department. We talked, uh, we took questions. I mean, it was a pretty in-depth, uh, this was a really, really uh, enlightening chat to, to get to know you, but then also everything behind it. And then just to talk about this case with someone uh, like you, um, which is very fascinating. So I, I can't thank you enough for your time and so much of it today. It was it, My listeners absolutely loved it and appreciate you as do I. So thanks for coming in. Yeah, no problem. It's nice to be able to speak directly to this community as opposed to the larger scale interviews that they are requesting that I do this week. I think it's more important because this community has been so incredibly supportive. And as you said, we all feel like we knew Kristen and we all want to help. You know, I feel like you get on Good Morning America, you get on these national junkets, and it's like it could be, you know, maybe a, a five or six minute hit, if, if that, it could be less, and then it's probably a lot of the same questions, so this was probably very different. Yeah, it's, it's not their fault, that's typically their sure. format, but yeah, once you hear the same question ten different ways, um, it can be a little bit uh, stifling, and so it is nice to be able to stretch my legs a bit. Do you feel there's anything in this conversation that you would like to get out that have not had the chance to? I don't think so. I think we covered more bases than I expected that we would. Yeah. Um, Did I go but, too far into places? No, I don't wanting? think so because there's nothing I'm willing. There's nothing I'm going to share that I feel like could considerably affect the investigation. Right. Um, very measured and very aware ahead of time of what I'm able to share and what I'm not. But uh, but I will say say for the people following along, there's still plenty that the public doesn't know about, and this it will come out and follow. We so yeah follow. Chris on Instagram, your own backyard podcast, because he's doing a really fantastic job at uh, covering the court hearings. You're going to go to all of them, I'm guessing. I, that's my intention. Yeah, and um, we even took a call off the air that was just kind of like, "Wow!" When, when you get calls like that, and, and that call that came in, are are these obviously there's a there's you're you're, you're cautious, cautiously optimistic, as we say. Mm -hmm. when, when those moments ha happen, what are those like to you? Um. There's so many of them that it's just like, okay, I, I'm, I mean, I'll take the information down, I'll be calm about it, and I'll get in touch with the person, but um, it's interesting. There's um, potentially, when I hear bits of information that I don't already have, I've got to wonder, how could you have figured this out? And um, yeah, sometimes they're close to a source and they know something that I don't know. This is exactly what happened when somebody reached out and said, hey, I uh, know about this truck. And they turned out to be correct, and they weren't law enforcement. They weren't. They were somebody who just happened to know something and were willing to share it with me. I was very skeptical of that at first, and it turned out to be true. If somebody does have anything um, and they don't feel comfortable going to the sheriff's department, how do you suggest people get a hold of you? Go to my website, yourownbackyardpodcast.com. There's a contact form there. Um, that, there's a whole separate uh, process now for if you want to interview me or press inquiries, go to somebody else. But if you have something valuable, go to my contact form on my website. And that way you can also, if you're not comfortable using your real name, use an alias. But please give me a way to contact you back because if you don't give me contact info, I just read it and then I can't do anything with it. So give me a way to contact you and um, give me as much info about yourself as you're comfortable giving. But also make it substantial enough that I can trust that it's accurate. That's a good way to put it. That's a great way to put it. It was really enlightening to meet you. A uh, shy guy, a storyteller, very smart. You're very driven. Um, the, the family is uh, definitely lucky to have you on their side. The sheriff's department is lucky to have you on their side. You're not a man who is um, just seeking to capitalize on that next episode or that next podcast. I mean, 
the, the choices that you've made all throughout this journey have shown that. And I think it's um, a paramount reason that folks not only trust you, but also um, revere you and respect the, the respect that you've given to Kristen, to her family, and to the whole case. So uh, it's been a real pleasure to get to know you and chat. I can't, you know what, honestly, I cannot wait to go back and listen to this conversation because we did, we covered a lot, my man. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, I, I don't want to take more credit than I'm deserving of, but I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> Chris funny. Lambert, your own backyard podcast.com. And, uh, you know, if you are one of the last couple people who have not checked out this podcast, you got to go check it out. Your own backyard podcast, wherever podcasts are available. Chris, thank you for being up in Adam in the morning, my friend. No problem. Thanks for having me. Up in Adam in the morning. Up in Adam in the morning.